Hello and welcome back to Madua Mada. We are just cranking these out, Tim. It's just like week after week after week uh, because we have a lot of great things to share. And I have so many questions about science and you have so many answers. It's been a great pleasure. Uh, this is our podcast from Schechter Boston about the intersection between religion and science. As always, I'm Rabbi Ravid Tillis, joined by Dr. Tim Morris. How are you doing today, Tim? I'm doing pretty good. Now, have you learned from Ferris that like maybe you could stand to ask me how I'm doing? I, I try not to learn anything. Oh, boy, Tim. <laughs> that is not what this podcast is about. <laughs> this podcast is, is definitely about learning things. So thanks for asking. I'm doing fine. <laughs> Uh, it, it's like, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm fine. Also, thanks for asking. Is uh, m maybe where we're where we're heading with that. Uh, so I hope that everybody enjoyed uh, listening to our kind of deeper conversation about miracles, about finding meaning in science and religion. But now, kind of back to normal about our protocol, what we normally do, which is that I'll give you a topic that is connected to something going on in the Jewish calendar. And you, Tim, will tell me everything that you know about this topic. Does that work for you? That sounds like a plan. All right, good. So all you have to do is just answer these simple questions, <laughs> and I'm sure you'll know all the answers. So today we are talking about trees because as of Martin Luther King Day, which is a significant day on the, uh, on the American calendar, uh, it just so happens this year that Martin Luther King Day lines up with the day that we call the 15th day of the month of Shvat, which we call Tu Bishvat, which was de uh, designated by the rabbis as the New Year of the Trees. As far as I can tell, it's designated as the New Year of the Trees because around now in Israel, things are beginning to bud a little bit on the trees. I, I certainly don't see that happening here in New England. Um, it is the middle of January, and it is uh, things are getting colder more than they are warmer. 13 degrees right now. It is, as we're recording <laughs> this, it is 13 degrees, and that's not to say what the wind chill is. The wind chill, I think, is actually below zero right now is what I've heard. Things are not budding right no. now here in New England, but they are... Either they are in Israel, or at least it's the dedicated day where things are supposed to begin to bud. Whether it's exactly on this day, obviously, I don't think it could be days before, days after. But this is the season mm -hmm. when things are budding in Israel. And, um, and so it is considered the new year of the tree. Because, you know, depending on how this budding goes, will determine what that tree's yearly experience and output is like. And so I guess what I want to ask is, uh, Tim, how do trees work? Now, <laughs> I know that's kind of a silly question, but we've spoken here before that in, there are some things that organisms all have in common. Mm -hmm. So maybe the question that I want to start with is, how does the experience or the life cycle of a tree differ and how is it similar from people or other living organisms that we know? Sure. On a very large scale, there's some real similarities. Um, trees and all flowering plants are uh, sexually reproduced. And so you get a mixture of two parents that, are, that produce the, the tree. Um, then 
in the case of trees, they uh, produce a seed that has to grow and sprout and, and all that kind of thing. Um, and we also go through a maturation stage. So there is, on a grand scale, a lot of similarities. There's obviously a lot of differences too. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I mean, that's kind of stunning the way you put it like that. And it, and I, it makes me desperately want to know, who are trees' parents? Um, so th this is actually an interesting question because in my eighth grade class, when we talk about uh, genetics, we talk about sexual versus asexual reproduction. And the example I give is corn plants. Okay. Because you, it's shocking to an eighth grader that corn sexually reproduces. Yeah, and uh, me too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should give a, uh, like a rating on this one. It's like, just so everybody knows, this one is rated, <laughs> this Mind Do What Mind Die episode is rated PG-13. But I mean, but obviously that makes sense. I mean, if we're talking about living organisms and their life cycle, there has to be a way that they reproduce. But uh, okay, so that's one. So I, I did know that trees grow from seeds and mm -hmm. seeds come from trees. And, but they, don't they just drop them onto the ground and then they grow? Or is, is, so, there, is there more, like, do you need more than one tree? Like, like what else do you need? What, what's the other kind of partner in it? So there are um, a variety of different ways that this can happen. The one that is most famous is that uh, bees or other insects going into one flower collect pollen and pollinate another flower. And this is spreading the, the pollen is, so it's getting, that's getting spread to the next flower where it uh, collects on the pistil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And produces the, the seed. Uh, I guess in my imagination, an acorn falls on a like really ripe soil uh, ground and then if it gets the right amount of sun and the right amount of water, it then begins to sprout out of that acorn, a tree, an acorn tree. And then isn't that how they reproduce? Is that not sure, it? Sure, but the acorn had to come from somewhere. From the tree. Uh, from the combination of two trees. You need the pollination to produce the acorn. Oh, so the tree itself isn't producing, but like so, our- So a, when, when it gets pollinated, then that uh, that pollinated egg cell, wow, now becomes grows into a seed. Wow, wow. So trees are kind of, the trees that like uh, we're looking at our window right now, and I see a couple of trees. They are somehow pollinating with each other vis-a-vis -vis animals that bring pollination one from the well, other. It's it's not always animals, but yes, it can also be wind, uh, wind and right other things along those lines uh-huh so wow that's amazing if i take a tree and i grow it exclusively in my own home mm -hmm. and like isolated from any other trees will it not produce fruit so it depends on the tree there okay. are most trees will produce both the male and female or that's oh, so not they, so they do it on their on their own yes they can okay. uh, most of them not quite all um, okay. It's not quite fair to say the male and female. It's it's not as clear cut with trees as it is with humans. Right. But, but that's a good way to think about it. Okay. So so, so most trees, not all, are actually able to produce. Self pollinate. So so it is true that if they're self pollinating, 
then they can just drop an acorn and then that acorn grows and then theoretically that new tree could self-pollinate mm -hmm. and that okay but there is but there also are times when trees pollinate with each other and absolutely and there are uh significant hereditary advantages to cross-pollination between trees okay likewise well so um you've if you are only self-pollinating you've got um a more limited variety of genes to be selecting from right which makes it to where a uh, harmful recessive gene is more likely to show up in succeeding generations so talking about genes in trees is just strange to me and, and and i and that that's actually really ultimately what we are talking about here is the way in which a tree is like a living organism and that having genes is a part of that and that and that will determine like what fruit it grows what its bark looks like what its leaves look like yep. all those things <laughs> all of those things wow how come some trees are able to keep its leaves on longer for instance because th that that actually is more of a new england question than an israel tree question but like uh, well, I've it, always i think been it actually relates it. really okay. closely okay because i mean like some trees like conifers have needles that never fall right evergreens evergreens yeah. and others the we call them deciduous they the leaves drop off the reason for that the leaves are really broad in these trees so they would get really really cold really quickly uh-huh and so there would be a lot of energy uh, used to keep the leaf from dying uh-huh and so it the trees find it cheaper from an energy standpoint to just suck all the uh all the valuable stuff out of the leaf which is why it changes color first uh-huh and then just let it the leaf itself drop uh, die and drop off wow and then regrow new ones the next year huh and so oh but that's amazing that that's what's happening when the leaves change yep, colors yep there it's sucking all the, the the most valuable proteins and things back into the uh, tree wow Wow, that's really neat. That's not, I never really thought, I just figured it was like, uh, I'm dying, and it was like withering, and like, but, uh, so the fact that it's green in the spring, so green is a sign that it's, uh, like, has all its nutrients? So, well, green is the color of chlorophyll. Uh-huh. So it's the, so it's a sign that the leaves are doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is taking the sunlight and producing glucose producing food wow so the leaves feed the trees yes the leaves collect the energy from the sunlight and uh, use that to fuel chemical processes to produce glucose that the trees use for energy now and, and to yeah. build the structure that they that holds them together right cool so one of the things i understand about trees is that they collect our carbon dioxide that we breathe out and somehow send back out oxygen that we breathe in something like that is that right yeah absolutely okay tell me about that so how do they breathe i mean how do they collect our stuff how do they produce oxygen so historically it's actually the question should be turned around oh because they came first they came well animal uh, plants came first and, yeah and um the chemical pathways within the cell that produce the that take carbon dioxide 
and break off the carbons and use those carbons to produce glucose and leave this oxygen out. Well, oxygen is this gas that's useless. Uh-huh. And to fact, the tree. To the, it, to the, it, until uh, some really advantageous uh, mutation occurred that made it to where some species was able to use it, uh-huh. it, was, it was actually a deadly gas. For trees? Uh, well, for plants. Oh, and yeah, okay. So all, basically, plant life had taken and been using up the carbon dioxide in our atmosphere and releasing oxygen, and it was be getting to the point where it was hard for, it was going, it was starting to become a difficulty for, to get enough carbon dioxide out of the air. Wow. And then some and cell then, uh, yeah. wow. de- uh, developed a mutation that changed that pathway and made it to where it was able to go through, um, I don't know if it's stayed exactly the same, but basically going through the citric acid cycle and all of those types of things in the cell that we, that our cells use to, um, to take in oxygen and give off wow. water and carbon dioxide. And so, so it actually is mutually beneficial. If, yes. if there were no people, the trees would all die from, an, from there being too much poisonous oxygen to them in the air. I mean, it, that's slightly oversimplified, but essentially, yeah. Well, that's no... what we do here at Madu Amada. <laughs> we oversimplify like these wildly complicated ideas. So if, if there were no oxygen-breathing plant or animals. Fine, I don't mean humans. I, but, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. If there was nothing that breathed oxygen, like then, animals, then like humans. Oxygen would be taking over, and after a while, there just wouldn't be enough carbon dioxide available. And they would die out. Yep. And obviously, similarly, if we were constantly breathing out carbon dioxide yep. and there were no trees, then there would just be carbon dioxide. We'd be living in a fog of carbon dioxide and we would die out. Eventually, we would either die out or evolve to where we could uh, deal with the carbon dioxide, one or the other. Wow. That, that is the symbiotic nature, I think, that Tubishvat is really about, ultimately, because... Obviously, we all know about the, um, the benefits of the fruits that the tree is able to produce and knowing that it's our responsibility to take care of the trees so that they can grow and do what they need to do to produce the fruits. But there also is this symbiotic nature between us and trees that we need them to breathe. And I, I, a lot of times, you know, it, it's really important, I think, that, that we talk about this because a lot of times... I get the feeling that we're going in a totally different direction when we think about the human relationship to the earth mm-hmm. because we are we do have a tendency to take much more than we give yep but trees and the use of oxygen and carbon dioxide is a good example of how we do obviously serve a function in this world humans taking what they need is an important function of the ecosystem it's just as we've said in other podcasts too, we just don't need to take as much as we do. And it's about modifying that. And I think that Tubi's thought is a good reminder that we have a symbiotic relationship with trees. Yeah, absolutely. You talked earlier about the timing. And oh, yeah. It's, it is interesting to note that trees basically use the weather to determine when it's time to start reproducing their, uh, growing their leaves again. Uh-huh. So the distance from the equator makes a difference. So the closer yeah. to the equator, the warmer it is all the time, and the earlier trees will start regrowing. All right. So now 
I, I have this like fantasy when there are days where it's like unusually warm in the winter, which mm-hmm. happens more and more. Where I like, okay, so it's warm now. No, it's not warm right now. Not right we, now we've already yes. said that it's very cold today. But like, let's say it's warm for a day yep. or two days. Is the tree like, up? Oh, it's springtime, and then it's like, wait a minute, it's actually winter time. Or, or are trees like more attuned to the weather changes, and they're like, I'm gonna wait till it's like. Can we use trees as our uh, mo- as our indicator of when it actually is spring, or do they sometimes bud out too early and are like, oh shoot, that was not what I meant to do. They do sometimes bud out too early, and okay. It, um, once they bud out, they've used a lot of energy, and then if they, uh, it can, it can actually be very harmful to their health when it happens. If it's too because fluctuating, it happens if it happens too early, all that energy that they've just expended regrowing leaves, when it gets too cold, those leaves are going to die. Yeah, and well. they're not, and so they've lost all that energy, and then they won't make it and through so the season. It's, well, the year. I mean. Hopefully they will, but the, but some of the ones that are less healthy might not. Uh-huh. Um, wow. It is also this cycle of growth and dormancy that leads to the famous rings of trees, so why you can tell how, many, uh. Uh, how old a tree is based on looking at the rings, because you see rapid growth and then a hardening, and then rapid growth and then a hardening. Yeah, and so that is that cycle is what leads to that uh, the tree rings and all that kind of. Thing. I, I was wondering about, and some of these trees are like crazy old. What ends the life? Of, I guess we've been talking about the life cycle of a tree. So what ends the life of a tree? Um, so other than being cut down or some kind of external force. So a lot of times it can be just that as it continues to grow, it becomes. Well, there's a couple of things that can go wrong. One of them is that it can just grow too big to be able to support itself. Okay. And, and so, it timbers. Yeah. Okay. Um, another thing that can happen is as it grows bigger and bigger, the um, the it doesn't have a heart and blood vessels and things like that. It does have systems to do that, but they are not as efficient as people's are, uh-huh. as most animals are. So you can end up with... Uh, the middle not getting enough material, enough um, carbon dioxide, and enough of the things necessary to keep it alive, and so it kind of dying from the middle outward, and it, which is why you sometimes see like hollow trees. <laughs> Honestly, I I don't know what I was expecting with this conversation today, but it it was not all this. I was not expecting to talk about reproduction at the beginning <laughs> and death at the end, but. If I bring up life cycles and the nature of a tree as an organism, that's what you're going to get. Pretty uh, much. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the life cycle. Um, but that is wonderful. And I feel like we got to hit on a lot of things about the value of trees, about the, the life cycle, and so on. Tim, as always, this is great. I, I, I want to give you a heads up about what I think is next, although... I may come up with some uh, new ones in between now and then, and we, and we may try to squeeze some in. But soon, we are going to talk about optical illusions. Oh, And fun. that's one that you and I have talked about a little bit before, um, because Purim is the next big holiday. Now that Tubishvat uh, is behind us, Purim is the next big holiday, and Purim is really about optical illusions and things not being as they seem. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm hoping that we're going to do a couple about Purim. 
um, but this one is one that I'm really excited about, and um, I have a feeling I know the direction it's going to go, but I never know. Like today, I didn't really know. So, Tim, thank you, as always, for your time and for your insight and for your wisdom. I learned something new, and even if you didn't come here hoping to learn, I'll tell you, I feel better today than I did earlier. So thank you for that, and uh, being with you is better than the alternative. Although I kind of miss Ferris. She was really nice. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Thanks again, Tim, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a good one. See you later.